if you if you were not around church last Sunday and you are finding uh, your way back into church on the second Sunday of Advent, I can imagine that what you're thinking is, what is all of this in the church bulletin that we find? These different uh, translations of the readings that we have and the different texts, including texts that the vast majority of us um, can't decipher even if we tried. And I would say the point of that is twofold. Uh, the first point that I would want to make, I and the rest of the clergy here, is that we want you to know that the stories that we tell in this place, week in and week out, are stories that are drawn from the translation of sacred text that are carried forward in the tradition of the church over the course of millennia, if not even longer, if we're looking backward into the Jewish side of our Jewish Christian expression. And the point of putting those biblical languages that we can't decipher alongside the stories and translations that we can understand is that so that we, as people of faith, people seeking to embody the faith here, 2022, Jackson, Wyoming, have a deep sense that the stories that we tell in church are not just words on a page, but rather tales, myths, sacred story that carries forward and is meant to be interpreted and embodied in new and creative ways within the context of the church in its worship and outside of the context of church in the expression of our faith as people of faith. It is a statement that makes a declaration in a time when global fundamentalism and global literalism spreads and influences, in my opinion, negatively across the globe, it's a statement to say, no, 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 no. There is far more happening here than words in sequence on a page. We are meant to use our minds, our hearts, and our communities when we interpret and make commentary on these stories. That's the first beat of these translations. The second beat is connected to the season of Advent, the season where we find ourselves in right now, four weeks leading up to Christmas, leading up to um, the evolution of a story that we already know, a story of a babe born in a manger, wrapped in bands of cloth, laid on a bed of straw, a baby born in humble circumstance, one that we know both from the Hallmark Channel and Norman Rockwell paintings and little action figures that we set up on our, on our buffet during um, this particular season, a story that we know so well, but what we're hoping as 
clergy, the people who lead the religious commentary in this place, what we're hoping is that we get, we get liberated from the default mode of the Christian story and we can begin to experience the story as it's meant to be experienced, a cosmic story that changes the arc and trajectory of creation in a magnificent, beautiful, fleshy, and earthy way. You see, Christmas is not just Christmas. It's cosmic. It's mysterious. It's big. And we're meant to be moved by it at this particular time of year and every other day in the year as well. And on the second Sunday of Advent, in order to propel us into this cosmic understanding of Christmas, on our threshold, we are delivered this eccentric character who we call John the Baptist, someone who clothes himself himself in animal skins, someone who only eats that which he can source from creation around him, someone who has abandoned the tradition and the institution and gone to a wild place to live out his life and his spirituality, Some, someone who expresses the story in radical ways with a beautiful adaptation of a ritual. And as I began thinking about how we might just crack the veneer that, that encapsulates our default understanding of John the Baptist and all that goes in to the Christmas story in, our, in the busyness of our culture today, as I was thinking, like, how do we disrupt this idea, my mind went back to that 1999 Hollywood blockbuster hit, the first in three of three movies, The Matrix. Anybody seen it? Some of you have seen it. You don't have to have seen the movie in order to follow along with this lesson that I'm delivering today. I would say Probably the most memorable, the most central theme of that particular movie, the one that we remember the best, is most likely a theme where you see Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne's character, who we know is Morpheus. Lawrence is sitting across a table from a fresh face Keanu Reeves. He's bespeckled in round, mirrored sunglasses. He begins to reveal his identity as um, uh, a sort of military leader slash spiritual guru slash hippie. He sits across the table from Keanu Reeves' character who is curiously named Neo. It'll be a child among us who leads us, right? Who is curiously named Neo, who is 
attentive to the, to the lesson which Morpheus is delivering him. And at the end of that scene, Morpheus makes this offer to Neo, right? Neo, do you want to live life as you have always lived it? With all of the expectations that you carry from the present, do you want to carry them into the future? Or you might choose to live a life of which you've already had glimpses, where you've already seen interruptions of that reality around you, which your intuition is telling you is there, but you won't really be able to embody it and live it for real unless you make the full commitment. You see, at these points of transformation, when we're talking about things cosmic, in the mythology and sacred story that carries forward, in almost every tradition, there is a choice to be made. And Morpheus offers Neo the red pill of revelation and enlightenment or the blue pill of blissful ignorance and naivete of what surrounds him. I bring up this character because I want our unconsciously held biases around John the Baptist to be dismantled. I know to reference the first point that I made about these translations that we have in our bulletin, I know that when we, as people of faith in 2022, Jackson, Wyoming, hear the story of the Baptist and we imagine him up there preaching, and we hear those words he says, particularly one word, one word that he uses, repentance. It is my fear, and it is my assumption that we take John the Baptist and we put him in the place of the fundamentalist hellfire brimstone street corner preacher but rather he's meant to live in the arena of Morpheus and all the other incredibly eccentric human characters that get delivered to our own experience so that we might know that we have a choice to make whether to live in the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of heaven. And the Baptist starts his lesson this morning, right, with like, you are all just a bunch of snakes. And he uses this word. He says, in order to access this new and different reality, this cosmic Christmas you must repent. And it's my fear that when we hear that word repent, what we hear in our ears is, ah, we have to do the work 
of getting the great spreadsheet in the sky on the positive side of things. The great spreadsheet in the sky, when it applies to my life, must be black and not red if I am to access this new reality. It is a reduced and somewhat human uh, form of like dog training, right? God says, sit, and we don't sit. But we think when we hear repentance, ah, sit, repenting is sitting when God says sit. No, it's not that behavioral orientation that we're being led toward through the season of Advent, but something that's much bigger, much more cosmic, much more creative, much more wonderful. And we have oftentimes in the history of humanity, it's an eccentric who delivers the news. Someone who refuses to live the way the vast majority of our culture does so that that person might shake us out of our unconscious, humdrum, everyday living. And here we have the Baptist who's out in the wilderness engaging an adaptation of a Jewish ritual of cleansing in the River Jordan. And he's also saying, but the next move that the cosmos makes is a ritual with God himself, herself. It's the spirit, and the spirit in translation is feminine. It's God himself, herself, who will come among you and with fire enliven a perspective change in an enormously mind-blowing, creative way. And he uses this word that's been co-opted by the fire and brimstone preachers that I want to reclaim. It's repentance. And if we're looking at it in that original language, it's, it's two words squished together to make one. It's meta. We have some sense of meta these days, thanks to Zuckerberg, right? It's something that's beyond, something that's more than we ever imagined, something that's so different that it's so mind-blowing and perspective-changing. And then it's gnosis. It's knowledge. It's like knowledge with heart. It's like all the heart knowledge that you know, like everything that you know and experience is your reality. No, it's going to be beyond that. It's way more cosmic, way more energizing, way more exciting. And translators like me and others struggle to articulate how big that word is. It means so much more than like making sure you don't drop your pants on the floor, but rather you fold them and hang them on the hanger and put them back in the closet just like your mom taught you to when you were 10. It is a changing, a full changing of our perspective, so much so that some translators say it is a U-turn. It's a turning around and facing a different direction so that our reality is not changed necessarily it happens in the here and now, but what we see is so 
dramatically different and wonderful. Most assuredly, we've had glimpses of it, right? We've had feelings of the kingdom of heaven breaking through in our lives. Maybe it's when that beloved friend showed up at your doorstep as you were struggling through COVID with some matzo ball soup and some ginger ale and some lemon poppy seed muffins or something like that. You get just a little glimpse of it and you can feel it. You're like, ah, like this is good. I, in spite of my illness, I'd like to stay in this place for as long as I can. We get glimpses and interruptions, but we are also being given the choice to subscribe to a new way of living all of the time. That's the message of Advent. Wait, listen, prepare. Not for the known, not for the rote, but for the cosmic arc and trajectory of the universe to change. That's what happens. And so if you were around this place last Sunday, most likely you walked out of here with a simple, cheap kitchen timer. You might ask yourself the question, what in Sam Hill is cosmic about a cheap kitchen timer, Jimmy? What are you guys thinking when you hand me a timer and you ask for extra time in the busiest time of the year? Here's the thought behind the timer. First off, I would say, I would acknowledge the reality of the busyness of our life in this time. And I would tell you that we all know, we higher educated people all know, that we cannot add a 25th hour to the day. It is a choice that we have to make. The kingdom comes to us in a choice. I will spend one of the 24 hours of the day in delivering a little extra love, or I will continue to do what I've always done. There is a practical side to that. And then there's also a cosmic side in the sense of like, how do you time eternity? Right? If eternity is eternity, then here we sit in it. Eternity is not future-based, but it is the present moment in time. And so there is a practical side to the timer and a cosmic side to the timer. One meant to help us engage in a practical task that might crack the veneer of the unconsciousness of the lives that we live and that a little bit of the kingdom of heaven might come through that crack and influence us in a certain way. And then there's a cosmic side of like, oh, maybe I don't have to feel the pressures that I feel. Maybe I don't have to deliver in the way that the world tells me I have to deliver. Maybe I'm not a failure, or maybe I'm not a struggler, 
Maybe I'm a child of God, beloved of God, and there is nothing I can do or not do, nothing I can say or not say that separates me from that love. The idea behind the timer and one extra hour a week is that as we deliver these acts of service, these expressions of care or nurture or love or encouragement, as we bring joy to the experience of another, someone we know and love, someone who is a stranger to us, that we might experience a turning and a changing of our perspective, that we might experience the kingdom of heaven breaking through and giving commentary into the reality of this cosmic transformation that Christmas brings to us, not just on December 24th after the sun goes down, but rather 365 days a year. You see, church, we as people of faith, as creatures made from the substance of creation, which comes from the creator, who we know to be love, we have a choice to make around the reality in which we decide to live. And it is people, eccentrics like Morpheus or John the Baptist that deliver this reality to our thresholds so that our unconscious existence might be disrupted in such a way that we feel the love of God breaking through and becoming more present into our everyday life and into our everyday consciousness. Amen.